My beloved in Jesus Christ, our Lord, we've all made it and came out for the great beheading. In the verse for the Prochemenon, in preparation for the reading of the epistle, it said, Help us, O Lord, for the righteous have vanished. I don't know about you, but from time to time in these past couple years, I've been thinking that myself. Help us, O Lord, the righteous have vanished. But I learned that that's not true. The righteous are very much amongst us. In our gospel, the second gospel today, the one we're celebrating, the feast of the beheading of the John the Baptist, we hear about Herod. I'm probably going to repeat what you already know. But Herod the Great, Herod the Great is the one that came, and he was in charge of of the whole region of, of Galilee and Judea, and the east side of the Jordan River, that was his area, but he was subservient to Rome. And Herod the Great is the one that ordered the murder of all the holy innocents. When Herod the Great died, Rome divided up the region and given it to his three sons, Herod Achelaus, Herod Antipas, and Herod Philip. Herod Philip would live, his region was northeast of the Sea of Galilee, going out, not a very wealthy part of the country. Herod Achelaus, you're probably familiar with. If you'll remember when Jesus was returning, he was just an infant, and Joseph was bringing Jesus and Mary back to Jerusalem from Egypt. He was going to come to Jerusalem, but he heard that Achelaus was in charge, and he was worse than his father. So he went north to Nazareth. Well, Herod Achelaus would only last a few years until about 6 AD, and then Rome would take over the governing of Judea. And that's how eventually we would get Pontius Pilate as the procurator. But in the kingdom of J, um, J, uh, near in um, Galilee, that was Herod Antipas, the Herod in our gospel today. He had the region almost all the way around Galilee coming south down towards Nazareth. And then the east side of the Jordan River, not too far east from there, from the, bottom of the, from the top of the, sea, Red, uh, the Dead Sea, two-thirds up to almost the Sea of Galilee. And that's the reason, region where John the Baptist was. So John the Baptist was in the region of Herod Antipas. And we know Herod Antipas would travel to his different regions, and he would even come to Rome. He was in Rome at the time when Jesus was being arrested and tried. Do you remember Herod sent him? He found out that 
He was from the, Jesus was from the region of Galilee, and Herod was in the town in Jerusalem, so he sent him to Herod. That's Herod Antipas, the Herod we're talking about in the gospel today. In the sticker at Vespers last night, we read, After dancing, the disciples of the all-evil Satan requested your head as her payment, O forerunner. What a bloody banquet! Would that you had not made that vow, O sinful Herod, offspring of a lie. Since you did, not, since you did make it, would that you had not carried it out. For it would have been better to have gone back on your oath and received life than remain true to your oath to have had and to remain then to remain true to your oath to have cut off the head of the forerunner. As for us, unworthily we let us we unworthily venerate and bless the baptizer, for he is the greatest man born of woman. King Herod Antipas was a man ruled by his passions. He liked to drink. He liked the women. He liked the power, the prestige. He liked to be seen and known and receive all the great accolades. He was manipulated by these things. It was as if he was a marionette being pulled by the strings of others, playing into his passions. Herodias was another one. She was manipulated by her passions as well. So much so, she allowed herself to be persuaded by King Herod Antipas to divorce her husband, King Herod Philip, and marry Herod Antipas. Why? Because she was making a move up. A better region. More money, more power. And Antipas played right into this. Because it filled in all his passions. It tantalated them. And so he would govern that way. And he would live his life that way. John the baptizer would cry out, you can't do that. That's adultery. She hasn't been lawfully divorced. And Herodias was furious at this because it was messing with her plans. King Herod Antipas was intrigued with John the Baptist. He found his words frightful but at the same time, there was something that drew him. Herodias wanted him dead, but Herod didn't do that. So he put him in a dungeon. From what I've read, the dungeon that he went into was like at the very bottom, a high security place. And if you know anything about plumbing, and they didn't have it, what ends up at the bottom? Not a very nice and pleasant place to be. Herodias, Herod has this great party for his birthday. His passions are being filled. 
The strings are being pulled. He's being looked upon as great upon, among his military leaders, that his, those invited guests, his courtiers, and all the others. This young woman comes in, the daughter-in-law of Herod, or the daughter of Herodias, performs this dance that hits him to the core, and he loses his mind. And he says that great vow, I will give you anything, even up to half of my kingdom. His passions were just controlling every movement of his. And after consulting with Herodias, and she sees she finally has her chance, the daughter goes back, we heard in our story, and the king tells the king, I want the head of the Baptist. And we know Herod Antipas regretted this. Probably kicking himself for making such a stupid vow in the first place. But he was so proud and wanted to look so big and so in control before everybody else, he went through with it, knowing it was wrong. We see this played out in our government. We see people being played by the, the, the manipulations of their passions in businesses. in churches, even in our homes at times. Allowing ourselves to be manipulated by the passions, whatever they may be. I want a great name. I want to let everybody know how much I know. I want to show how good I am. I don't want any, anybody to see that I'm not as good as I want them to see. and all the other passions of the flesh, allowing it to control us. What do we do? Well, we have a stark contrast in our story, and that's John the Baptist. John the Baptist was not controlled by his passions, and he certainly did not care what anybody thought of him. He was only concerned with preaching the truth, with living a life righteously and teaching others to do so. And he was firm when he needed to be firm, and he was loving when he needed to be loving. And you say, Father, show me examples of his loving. Well, how many people came up to him asking him to be baptized? What must I do? There had to have been compassion and love in the Baptist's heart because he wasn't berating everyone. Only the ones that were pulled by, as a marionette by their passions, by their pride, by their wanting the wide phylacteries in their garments so they would look great before men, so they would have the great accolades in the, in the squares and they would have the best seats in the synagogues. Are we like that? We've been given a great example of who to model. And that's John the Baptist. John the Baptist stood or slapped or let, laid down, whatever it was, in that muck for a long time. 
And in that time, he could have laid there and go, I've had enough of laying in this, you know what? I'm going to recant. Herod, God just told me you're okay. Go ahead, live the life you want. He just changed it. You're good to go. I'll support you now. It seems to be the sway of the popular opinion of the court, so I'm going with that. But he didn't. He was willing to endure it for the truth, even when it cost him everything, when it cost him his life. What was it he was hanging on to? It had to have been that moment when he laid his hands on the, our blessed Lord and baptized him. It had to have been that moment when he saw the dove and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove come upon our Lord. It had to have been that moment when he heard the Father say, This is my beloved Son. That gave him strength to endure and to speak up for the truth and to live a life that is righteous. We don't come to this church to be entertained. We're here to be changed. And it requires every fiber of our being in the process. A complete commitment of worship and of forming our life in the gospel that we have been preached or handed on to and that it is preached. Let us live a life of righteousness. Again, Herodias has lost her self-control. Again, she is disturbed. What a cunning and deceiving dance, and what mindless drunkenness. The forerunner's head is cut off, and Herod is troubled. Therefore, O Lord, by the intercessions of your forerunner, grant peace to our souls. My beloved, we ask the Holy Spirit to become upon each and every one of us to give us the strength and the power to be the Baptists in the world. To stand up for truth and righteousness in love and kindness. And not allow our passions to be moved. Not allow our passions to control us. Not allow our anger to raise and flare in such a way that we do things that are, in court, that are not in accordance to the gospel. The Baptist is our model. And we celebrate him because he stood up for the truth in the most enduring of circumstances. And now... He intercedes on the behalf of all of us. So the world needs the righteous. And you are the ones that are called to go out.